and welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm so excited that you're joining us today. We are going to have a fascinating conversation, as usual, as we learn from people all around the world at all ages and stages of life. Stay tuned as we shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort. Hi, everyone. I'm Lori LeBay, host of Alzheimer Speaks, and I hope you enjoy our show today. We are going to be talking about the magic of memory cafes and how they really are measured on smiles and comfort and friendship. But before I introduce you to our panel of guests, first, I want to welcome anyone who is new here. Everyone is welcome. We speak to people all over the world at all levels and stages of the disease from families to people diagnosed to a variety of businesses, authors, movie directors, singers, songwriters, researchers, everyone has a voice and everyone's voice needs to be heard. If we're going to make sustainable change, and that's what I love about our topic today, I think memory cafes are really making a huge, huge difference. So if you're interested in being a guest, reach out to me at radio at Alzheimer's Speaks. Dot com. And I'm just going to give a couple of shout outs quick. First, I would encourage you to check out our website, alzheimerspeaks.com. We have a ton of free educational resources there. So don't miss that opportunity. Uh, you also might be interested in our book, Betty the Bald Chicken, Lessons in How to Care. It's great for families. Uh, it's written as a children's book. It can easily be used in support groups of any ages. It's really about whenever you don't feel like you fit in. And then of course, check out Dementia Map, which is a global resource directory. And if you are a provider of a service product or tool, make sure you sign up. Um, we are not buying lists and just putting people in. We want people who are actually going to respond. And it's free to use. We don't ask for any personal information. Just go to DementiaMap.com. So let me kind of set the stage here for today's show. Like I said, we're going to be talking about memory cafes. We've got people from all over who are doing a variety of cafes. So they're going to show us how they are doing theirs because this is not a one size fits all at all. And that's what I really love about it. You know, there's a saying when you've met one person with dementia, you've met one. And that is true, but it goes even further than that. When you've met one care partner, you've just met one. And every environment changes how all of us interact regarding uh, this situation and really any others that we're dealing with. So um, like I said, today we are going to learn about memory cafes. What the heck are they? Who attends them? How do you sign up for one? Do they cost any money? What do they do? Are they virtual or in person? And you're going to see some examples of activities and just learn a lot. I've been you know, working on memory cafes for many, many years, and it's just fun to see them popping up all over. And we will give you a bunch of resources that you will be able to click on and go through. There are a lot of cafes to pick from, but still, there's not enough. Um, and we'll talk about who can be a facilitator of these. How do you get started as well? So with no further ado, let's introduce our panel. 
Okay, so we are back with all of our panelists. And uh, to be quick and simple, I'm going to have them all introduce themselves. I think that'll be the easiest route to go. But I will give you a little background on myself. I've also been involved with Memory Cafe. So I'll probably pop in a little bit here and there. Ours is called Arthur's Memory Cafe. And we, uh, we meet twice a month. And we are strictly virtual in Minnesota, but we have people um, all over the world. Uh, that join us on that. So, um, Elise, I'm going to go to you first, if you don't mind. Thank you, Lori. Uh, I'm Elise Amster. I'm with the Dementia Spotlight Foundation, and our memory cafes are called Connection Cafes, and we meet twice a month um, in person at the Senior Services um, North Fulton Building in Roswell, Georgia, and I have personally been touched by dementia. Great. Thank you. Emily, how about you? Hi there. Um, I'm Emily Kearns, and I'm the coordinator for Dementia Friendly Baltimore County. Um, and my position is supported by the Baltimore County Department of Aging, the Caregivers Program. And we have a mini grant program. We funded two memory cafes this time, one Jewish uh, community services, and they meet at a library in Pikesville. And the other one is at Talmar Horticultural Center. And Jamie is here to speak about that. Um, I'm here because both of my parents lived and passed with dementia, which really awakened me to a different way of being. Great. Thank you. And Jamie. Hi, everyone. I'm Jamie Sumagi. I am the occupational therapist and program manager at Talmar Horticultural Center. Um, I lead the Memory Cafe every um, month, every third Friday. Um, and yes, I've been touched by dementia. Right, thank you. Um, Beth, how about you? I'm Beth Salzberg, and I coordinate the JFNCS Memory Cafe, which has met monthly since 2014. We um, recently have been alternating between meeting on Zoom and meeting in person. And I also lead the JFNCS Memory Cafe Percolator, which um, has been a, re a free resource for people starting and sustaining memory cafes throughout the U.S. and beyond, also since 2014. And I do have a personal connection as well as um, just love working in this arena. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you. And Angela, how about you? Hi, I'm Angela Myers, and I help coordinate the Library Memory Project, which is located in Waukesha, Wisconsin. And it's a group of 21 public libraries that offer six memory cafes per month. Um, I have not personally been touched by uh, dementia. However, um, this um, the folks that we serve in our memory cafes are near and dear to my heart. Great. Thank you. And Carrie. Hi, I'm Carrie Brower. I'm a physical therapist here in uh, Nevada. And along with my business partner, April Gamaldi, we um, run the Memory Lane Cafe um, at our um, multi-generational recreation center. We do it twice a month, the first and third um, Monday of every month. And I have personally been touched by Alzheimer's. My father just passed away about a year and a half ago from complications of it. Thank you. And April. Hi, I'm April. I'm an occupational therapist and I run Memory Lane Cafe with Carrie. Um, and we've been, we just started out in March um, and we do it uh, twice a month, the first and third Monday of the month. And I have been personally touched by Alzheimer's. 
Um, Tammy, how about you? Hi, I'm Tammy Hurst. I'm with the Olathe Public Library in Olathe, Kansas, which is a suburb of Kansas City. Um, we just barely got uh, the ball rolling with our new memory cafe starting in September. So I'm pretty new to the game, but excited to be learning from all of you. Um, my father passed away from dementia, so I do have a personal connection as well. Thank you. And Deborah. Good afternoon. I'm Dr. Deborah Sheets from the University of Victoria. I teach in the School of Nursing, and I started my memory cafes during COVID because I could really see the impact of social isolation. We met virtually initially, then we met once a month in person to do an outdoor activity. And now for the past year, we've met in person at a recreational center and continuing to expand. I expect to have four memory cafes in the fall. And our focus is really on arts being intergenerational and really based around connection. Great, thank you. And Marie. Hi, everybody. I'm Maria Skinner, and I'm um, generally a guest artist at a lot of cafes. So I think one of my first ones was actually Beth's. And um, I now do a mix of virtual and in-person. So I do Boston Age Strong program. I go into the Codman Library a couple of times a year. I've been in Belrica, Millis, Burlington, in Massachusetts. And then on Zoom, I go to Arlington, Somerville. I've been with Beth also. Um, Ashland, and I do cafes in Spanish. So I did the Cafe del Recuerdo also for Boston. And um, I have been touched by Alzheimer's primarily. Um, I've been teaching dance for about 30 years. So some of my students, um, you know, they come to class until they can't. Wonderful. Thank So I want to start out with, with Beth, because um, Beth actually has a, a public service announcement that they have put together. But I'm going to pull you in, Beth, to talk a little bit about what all you're doing. And we'll, we'll pull that uh, PSA in and discuss that and everything else as well. Thank you, Lori. So I'm in the greater Boston area, and I run one memory cafe based at a community organization, Jewish Family and Children's Service, where I'm a clinical social worker. But shortly after I started that cafe, which at the time was the second one in Massachusetts, I just um, saw that there was a need for people to come together and share information about this model. There was lots of curiosity among other providers. And then the people who came to our cafe said, you know, can you do this more often and in more places? And I said, I can't, but somebody else can. And so that started a snowball, which has just rolled and gotten bigger and, and built up steam. And we have participation from memory cafes throughout the U.S. and several other countries as well. We have a free toolkit. Um, on starting an in-person virtual hybrid cafe, a provide um, guest artist directory, lots of other resources. And we come together quarterly on Zoom and basically share what we know to make it easier and more affordable to for everyone to run and, and sustain and develop their cafes. You have just done such an amazing job with the percolator group. And that's what she calls it, the, the memory cafe percolator group. Um, with the, the amount of resources and allowing all these voices to come together and share, it's made it so much easier, you know, for everyone to, to be able to be part of that. Do you know how many members you have in, in the percolator group now? Our mailing list is about 1300 people. And I don't have a way to know precisely how many um, cafes have actually been started or are connected, but I would guess it's probably around a thousand. 
And, um, you know, it's just such a privilege to, I, I consider myself to be like a, a sieve, the kitchen tool that you pour your spaghetti through and the water drains out. You know, my role is just to be in this um, lucky position of hearing about everyone's ideas and innovations and questions as well. And to try to organize those in a way that we can all share. And I just feel that that spirit infuses people who are part of this Memory Cafe movement. It's all about trying to make the world better for people who um, are faced with a challenging long-term illness. And there's just so much creativity and desire to support social connection. And I've seen that in how people share resources with one another as well. Yeah, it is. uh, You know, I always say memory cafes are really about um, building smiles and friendships, you know, and just giving people that core peer group again that so often just disintegrates when someone gets hit with a chronic illness. Do you want to share your PSA with us right now and then we'll talk about that? That would be great. It can be lonely living with memory loss or dementia. But you are not alone. Memory cafes are bringing people affected by dementia together at welcoming social events. It's fun. I am so thankful to have a place where my mom and I can go and laugh and just enjoy the experience. I've made new friends. They understand what I'm going through because they are living it too. Memory cafes encourage me to try different activities, which is really refreshing. You'll find guest artists, musicians and dancers, educational programs, or simply a place to relax and chat with others. These gatherings are free, and you can attend as many as you would like. Cafes are offered weekly or monthly, with options to meet in person, online, or even by telephone. Visit these websites to learn more and find a memory cafe near you. So we just saw the, the PSA, which I think is absolutely wonderful. And so first of all, thank you for, for putting that together. It's very powerful. And if I'm not mistaken, you've done that in different languages as well. Yeah, we have that in Spanish and Portuguese, as well as English. And all of those links and the videos, which could be shared with a local cable station and so forth, are available for free on our um, Percolator webpage which I know is going to be in the resources that you share, Lori. Yep. And why don't you tell people who is, who is funding all of this for you guys? Because that's a, that's a huge, huge piece of um, letting you do what you do. Yeah. It's just been um, a series of grants from family foundations, from individual donors. And um, we've been very lucky to get, and a, a recently with Dementia Action Alliance uh, Mods Award, and uh, we had gotten an award from the Family Caregiver Alliance in 2017. The um, that was also extremely helpful. So we've sort of just keep going ahead and doing what we're doing, and then looking for ways to uh, to pay for it. I really want to just um, tip my hat to Jewish Family and Children's Service of Greater Boston, which has been so willing to support the Percolator um, Network, which, of course, is aiming to support other organizations everywhere and starting and running their own cafe. And JFNCS has just been so flexible and supportive and behind 
this um, initiative, even when we were trying to backfill the dollars. Um, so I just, I feel really grateful for the organization that I'm lucky enough to work for. Well, I think we're all grateful for them because boy, you have really made a huge, huge impact with things. So um, very much appreciate it uh, as well. So thank you. But I have to say one thing I love about the memory cafe model is it it doesn't have to be expensive. I think it's incredibly cost effective because really you're trying to create a, a homey environment. So it's not about having fancy stuff. Um, it's really about the heart and spirit, which doesn't have a lot of dollars attached except time, which is precious. But I do feel um, there's a way that cafes find the resources and the percolator has been no exception. I'll just mention too about the video. The reason we sought some specific funding, and in that case, it was in partnership with Massachusetts Councils on Aging that we were able to do the video, um, is that a lot of people don't know what a memory cafe is. And that compounds the challenge that a lot of times people don't feel comfortable talking about dementia. So we felt it was important to have something short where people could actually see this is what a cafe looks like and that we encourage cafe people to share the videos with potential participants, volunteers, funders, the general public in every way they can to build awareness of this amazing resource that's out there for people. Wonderful. Do you want to share some photos and, and talk a little bit about what you do? I know every cafe is structured. Sometimes uh, people with dementia and their care partners stay together the whole time. Sometimes they separate out. Um, some have activities, some don't. So why don't you tell yeah. us a little bit about yours? And if you want to share some pictures, feel free. Sure. So I have a couple of pictures here from the JFNCS Memory Cafe. You see one where we're in person and one where we're on Zoom. And um, one thing about our cafe is that we started it in partnership with a student organization at Brandeis University. So we have students with us almost every month, which has really added so much. And it's been fascinating to navigate um, between virtual and in person. We found that we have this constituency of people who either prefer being in person or actually can't really participate on Zoom. And on the flip side, we have a constituency of people who can't come in person and or really prefer being on Zoom. So right now we're we're alternating. Um, we tried a hybrid one, and I think that is our future at some point, but it it uh, we're not there yet. So and then these are pictures from other cafes in the Percolator Network. And I just um, love the variation in terms of language, cultural community setting. You see there's a photo in the middle here of a cafe that meets in an outdoor garden. And um, I just think that's the way it should be as each one is unique and it's tailored to the local community. Yeah, I totally agree. And that's one of the things that I love is memory cafes. They're not, you know, a bed in a bag. It's not, this is everything you need and this is all you need and this is the way you have to do it. It's really about what is the community need? What are the resources you have to work with? And then creating something that works. Um, and, and to me, that's, that's the magic sauce, that flexibility, that creativity um, of really drawing people in. Uh, how long do you guys meet for? 
Um, our cafe is uh, once a month for two hours. Okay, great. Yeah. And cool. other ones really vary. And I guess one of the really cool things that I've seen happen as the number of cafes in Massachusetts has increased. So now we're at 107. And then being privy to seeing how it's playing out all around the country and beyond as more and more cafes start is that there are some folks who will go to several cafes throughout the month. And the fact that we're collaborating, we're coordinating, we're networked together makes it so much easier for people to do that. So it's really, I think, wonderful that in communities where there's a density of memory cafes, there's really a lot of social engagement opportunities that people have throughout the month. I I love that. I know when I started uh, the one that I do back in 2011, there was really this friction of you can't take our people. You know, we're we're not, I'm not telling anybody about your, your support group because they might not come back to ours. And it was like, people need choice. And as the disease changes, they need different things. And so many of them are looking for things to do. And then they, you know, when they go to other groups, they're sharing about all the different things that are happening. So, I mean, they're just really a great mouthpiece to really broaden the net, raise awareness of what's possible. And, and they're the biggest feeders of getting more people to come in. And so, uh, and, and like with your group, with the percolator group, you've seen how that energy just keeps bubbling up and growing and I think that's exactly what happens with all the collaboration that's going on. So thank you, Beth. Do you want to give um, a quick um, contact information out and then we'll go on to our next person? Sure. The Percolator webpage is on the screen there, um, www.jfcsboston.org forward slash percolator. My personal contact information is on that page, and I welcome anyone to get in touch with me. All of our resources are for, are free, and we would love to have your participation. Thanks again, Laurie, for the opportunity to be part of this conversation. Well, thanks for all you're doing. Appreciate it very much. Angela Myers, I'm going to pull you in next. And okay. let's, let's hear about you know, what all you are doing. Um, so if you want to start out again, just reminding us of the, the your memory cafe, um, the organization that supports you, and how long you've been doing uh, your cafes, and are they virtual or in person to kind of start us off. Thank you for having me today, Lori. And I am Angela Myers with the Library Memory Project, and I am a librarian, and I work for the Bridges Library System. And our library memory project spans across 21 public libraries in four counties. And we host six library memory cafes per month. And they are 90 minutes each. And they're all facilitated by our public librarians. Um, Most of the time they are um, putting together the themes and topics themselves. Sometimes they do bring in guest speakers Um, Just yesterday, we had a memory cafe that was all about strawberries, and they brought in somebody from a strawberry farm that brought in fresh berries for us that were just picked in the morning, and we had a wonderful dessert with strawberries and talked about all of our favorite memories and recipes um, that we like to use with strawberries. So uh, the memory cafes really do have a lot of variety, as you had mentioned earlier. They really depend on uh, who's facilitating them and who's in the community and what ideas um, come forward. 
but yeah, they, um, they've really taken off. We started offering them in 2015 with just four libraries offering memory cafes. And like I said earlier, we have grown to 21 libraries offering memory cafes and they are on a rotating basis. So not every library offers a memory cafe every month. It is offered on a rotation, um, giving them a chance to all host um, in a rotation. Okay. And is there any cost for people to attend? Absolutely not. So they do not need to pay anything. And we do find that people go from memory cafe to memory cafe. Um, we'll see somebody on a ca- at a cafe on a Monday. And if that another cafe is hosted on a Thursday, we'll pop in there and that same couple will be there. Um, so people are definitely looking for these social engagement opportunities. And they do make a lot of friends at the memory cafes as well. So they are looking forward to seeing their friends at the memory cafes as well as well as participating in the cafe itself. Yeah, I have found, uh, I know with my cafe, a lot of them, I mean, they swap phone numbers, they go for walks, out to dinner. I mean, it really becomes, um, well, they call it their lifeline. You know, mm-hmm. having these new friendships that really understand what they're going through, because so many other family members and friends don't really understand um, what is happening. And that is just reduces so much stress. And it's so nice to see them laughing and smiling and and um, feeling full again. As far as your memory cafes, do you see do you see any expansion happening for you in the future? Well, right now we are still, um, I think returning to our pre-pandemic numbers. So we're we're happy to see that our attendance is starting to return to those levels. So I think for now we're we're okay where we're at. Um, but I could see that we could grow in the future. Um, every year it seems that another library or two are, are coming to me saying, can we join the library memory projects? And uh, the answer is always yes. Oh. And how can I support you? Fantastic. Well, and the library is such a safe place to be able to go to. Everybody in the community knows where where they are and stuff. Um, one thing I'm going to just kind of ask off off the cuff here, not necessarily memory cafe related, but are you a dementia friendly library as well? Do you have like a section of of books and tools for for people? So most of our libraries have underwent um, dementia friendly business training as well as a number of our librarians, including myself, um, our dementia friends trained. So we do offer a lot of that training for our staff, as well as offering uh, library collections for individuals uh, living with dementia, their caregivers. Several of our libraries have um, dementia caregiver kits that can be checked out. um, And these can be very helpful for when you do have extended family coming to visit. Um, These kits include different um, tactile items, um, large format um, coffee table picture books, so that it gives people something to look through and do with their loved one. Um, Because um, sometimes people do kind of pull away from their loved one when they are living with the the disease because they feel like they don't know how to communicate with them any longer. So these are really tools that people can use with their loved one to spark conversation. Wonderful. Thank you. Do you want to give contact information out? And I was just going to say, if you have any pictures you want to share, we can do that as well. Sure. So um, I can be reached um, via our website, which is librarymemoryproject.org. And we also have um, a Facebook presence. So facebook.com slash library memory project. 
and I will show some photos. So here's a few photos from our library memory project. Um, these are from our family day, which we offer once per year on a weekend. And it's a special event for our folks to invite their extended family and friends to come to a nature center and enjoy all kinds of activities uh, for three hours. So it's just kind of like a, a super big memory cafe. Um, and we've typically had between 70 and 90 people attend our family day. So that's a, a once a year special event that we offer. Um, our memory cafes are very um, participatory. And we try to use as many senses as possible. On the screen here, you're going to see on the left-hand side, people doing um, exercise ball um, exercises led by the YMCA. And this is to show people that they can still be active and have movement in their lives. So this was a fun memory cafe. We also had a very fun uh, themed memory cafe that was Price is Right themed. So everybody got to be a contestant on the Price is right you'll see the uh, the folks in the middle picture wearing their extra large name tags and we were all contestants on the prices right and we got to come on down and as mentioned earlier um, people connecting at the memory cafe is one of uh, the biggest things that we see uh, the folks on the right hand side they're they're talking right now these um they met at the memory cafe and are just exchanging information here um Memory cafes don't have to cost a lot of money or any money. Um, this particular memory cafe on the left-hand side, they made paper flowers, used uh, Hershey Kisses as the center of the flower. And then on the right-hand side, uh, another memory cafe used Lego, and they built a Lego community. So as they walked in the door, they were given um, an index card, and it, and it said on the index card, which type of building in their community they would be building that day, whether it was the library, the city hall, the police department, the fire department, and each person built a piece of the city, and then they put all of their Legos together to build one city. And then they went around and they did a gallery walk, and they walked around to see what everyone else had created. So it's a lot of fun um, at our memory cafes. We're also very sensory based. We try to include as many of the senses as we can in our memory cafe, whether that's touch or smell or taste or sound or all of them all at once, depending on what, what it is. Um, memory cafes don't need to take place in physical cafes or in buildings. Um, the picture on the left is a memory cafe that was held at a coffee shop, and we did a taste testing of all different hot chocolates. And the picture on the right-hand side is taken at a horse healing farm. So we held this memory cafe off-site, and the woman who is um, allowing the horse to smell her hand had never been on a farm before. And so it was her very first time going to a farm, and boy, did she love that horse. And again, these are photos from our family day. Um, the picture on the right-hand side is of one of our librarians holding uh, a snake and some of our participants petting the snake, which is not something I would have enjoyed, but I was behind the camera and took the photo instead. And uh, last, I have a photo here of uh, some of our participants enjoying a drum circle um, it's amazing um, what you can do with drums. You can put these drums in front of people and 
they can create such beautiful music. And on the right-hand side is a photo of folks doing chair yoga. Um, it was a, a very, very cold day. People came out in their yoga pants. We had a full room of people doing chair yoga, and we had so much fun. Oh, fantastic. The pictures really bring things to light. So, um, mm-hmm. and it's so nice to see the variety because I think that is exactly, you know, the point of, of memory cafes as a whole is it's endless in terms of what you can do. So thank you so much for sharing, Angela. Deborah, I'm going to go ahead and pull you in. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, it's great hearing about all the differences. Our memory cafe started meeting during COVID. And so initially we met completely online and it involves both caregivers and um, students. I have nursing students and I have other students from service clubs on campus that I bring in. I find that that intergenerational component just adds a lot of support, um, reduces dementia stigma because students learn a lot and adds a lot of energy. The older adults really enjoy meeting um, younger people. So we have met weekly for about 12-week sessions. Um, now we're meeting on, uh, in person. And I, the place I found that offered free space was a local recreational center, community-based recreational center, which I love because it normalizes dementia. It puts them in a recreational center where they also offer PT. They have exercise classes. Um, we're in the teen center because the teens are all in school and there's a kitchen where we can have snacks and tables to do art activities. The focus of our memory cafe is really on the arts um, and sort of um, socialization, of course, but um, lots of opportunities to learn things. And I think people regain a sense of I can contribute something and create something valuable. Um, What else? I limit the membership to about seven couples. And then we've got, you know, um, three to four students that help. The cost is... um, $240 or $20 per meeting um, per couple. Um, So $240 total um, for a 12-week session for a couple to belong. And I like having couples involved because it's really important for care partners to, you know, have a chance to have fun together. And so we do lots of art activities that I like to say are not art therapy, but they have therapeutic impacts. So I bring in real artists to teach them how to paint or ceramics or drumming, as some of you noticed, music is really powerful. I had originally founded an intergenerational choir for people with dementia, um, care partners, and high school students that's been running for over six years. And I knew that the arts were powerful, like our research findings found that the rate of cognitive decline was half of what it would have been. We weren't changing dementia, but we were reducing stigma. We were addressing social isolation We were reducing caregiver distress, depression, anxiety, all those things. And I'm sure that the arts in general have those impacts. So it's been really fun to move from running a choir to also offering other arts activities um, that, again, are intergenerational. Wonderful. So yours are a a 12-week base course then, basically? It's a 12-week commitment because we meet weekly, and I really want people to form relationships. And the people that started two years ago still are coming. And so I've started additional memory cafes and other recreation centers um, around Victoria, BC. I've got organizations that are long-term care for profit. Like I think in the U.S., the closest would be Sunrise, but here, Trillium Amica, and they want me to offer memory cafes I'm thinking of starting a directory to help these organizations offer higher quality programs, but I really like partnering with 
community-based recreational organizations. I think it makes it more inclusive. And my whole goal with all of this is to create a dimension inclusive of Victoria with opportunities to go for easy walks, to meet one another, to we do a lot of outings and um, I can show you a few pictures if you'd like. Okay, so really it's all about um, the Arts Our Memory Cafe. And so these are people who've never painted before and created these pieces with acrylics. Here we're at an art gallery and we had a private tour of a special exhibit on mushrooms. And then we did an activity, kind of a collage activity. Um, we had an artist come in and we created bird boxes. We've been out on the pickle boats in the Victoria Harbor to go have appies together. We created um, Happy Zomi, which is smashing. It was spring and I decided we should smash flowers on the linen cloths. We also did some drumming. We did some mandalas at an art gallery. Um, here's our website. And um, yeah, I can really, you know, the fact that we haven't lost any um, members um, since we started two years ago and that some of the people that were on my wait list, I kept saying, well, as soon as there's an opening, but people's dementia progresses. So I'm finding now there is a growing demand and I'm looking forward to being able to offer more programs. We've had two running and now we'll expand to four. And I think my goal is sustainability and I want to have a high quality arts program that meets regularly. So charging them a fee has not been a barrier and um, I get the space for free. And if it were a barrier, I, I let them know if there is a need you know, you can attend for free. Um, but generally caregivers are really happy to come as well. And it doesn't seem to be a problem um, paying a small fee. And it makes it possible for me to pay a facilitator and bring an artist in because um, I am and, not an artist. <laughs> you know, it's too bad that these aren't covered by insurance. You know, mm -hmm. they are so beneficial. And there is, I mean, you can talk to anybody who attends one. I mean, they're just life changing. And yet, you know, they're not covered. And yeah. they they hold off the disease, it's my belief, when people feel socially engaged and valued and, and all of those things. So and I there's this huge movement towards social prescribing. And I keep hoping that we'll get picked up and get some funding through that. Um, because more and more, we recognize the impact of loneliness and social isolation. I mean, in the UK, they have a minister of social isolation, loneliness, a minister of loneliness, but here so far, we haven't really seen any um, trickle down to support programs like this, which are so crucial. Yeah. Yeah. Agree. Agree. Well, um, thank you um, so much, Deborah. Mm -hmm. Anything else that you want to share that we, that oh, we didn't cover? Well, I'm pretty committed to these programs. My dad had Alzheimer's and both of his parents had Alzheimer's and they had nothing to do. They just sat on the couch and my mom really struggled, like, you know, where to take him because people kind of aren't interested in interacting with someone who um, is clearly struggling a bit. But in the memory cafe, we have someone who's even pretty aphasic and he's able to participate in improvisational activities and really is clearly having a great time, feels comfortable. And his, his wife is really happy that he's not just sitting around at home alone. So wonderful. Thank, thank you. you so much. Um, I'm going to go ahead and pull uh, Carrie and April in. Hello. Why don't you tell us a little bit about about your group, um, and uh, and then we can have uh, April come in and join us here too. 
Sure. Um, so as you probably see on the screen, um, that's our, our name of our memory cafe, Memory Lane Cafe. Um, that's our logo. Um, April and I are both therapists. April's a occupational therapist and I'm a physical therapist. We've both been touched by um, the disease, unfortunately. Um, her grandparents and aunts um, and my father. Um, so that's what kind of got us into this along with, we both work with seniors. Um, and of course, along that line, a lot of our um, patients have dementia. So we just saw that there was this big need um, here in Nevada as there are no other memory cafes that we're aware of um, that are here in Nevada. So we felt that there was a need for this. Um, we started doing our research and people were getting excited about us bringing this here. So we um, met up with our local recreation center. They were 100% on board. Um, we don't pay for any um, facility space there um, at their facility. We do meet twice a month um, for 90 minutes. And we provide all sorts of different activities to our members. We are a new cafe. We've only been going for a couple of months. So we have a couple regulars, but it has been kind of an up and down. Um, there's been some days where we have two and there's some days when we have 10. So, which is perfectly fine. It's been wonderful getting to meet each and every one of them, um, seeing them come and enjoy themselves. And we do have a structured group. Um, so we start every meeting off with a song. Um, of course, we're here in Nevada. So we start off with Viva Las Vegas by um, Elvis Presley. Yeah. And we get everyone involved in singing in that. And then we do like a little educational piece each month is something different, a different topic that we'll just sit and discuss. And then we go into doing um, a exercise activity. And then we do some sort of arts and crafts activity. And then we'll do another um, physical activity of some sort and then we end our group with another song and usually it's the hokey pokey so that way it gets everybody up and moving again and singing along so we found that that structure has really worked so far for us and uh, we're looking forward to just continuing to grow this getting new ideas from you know different um uh, groups like this. So I thank you and, and the Percolator group. Um, they've been super helpful so far for April and I um, just starting out and getting things going. So I'll turn it over to April and she can add add to it. So uh, like Carrie said, we do it twice a month. Um, it has fluctuated. We haven't been able to get a consistent uh, group of people, but we do understand with this diagnosis, that's kind of how it's going to be. Um, our, like, uh, we've only been doing this since March, so I'm still pretty new to it. So definitely learning from all you that have been doing this for quite a while and um, just trying to market as much as we can to get more consistent members. Um, they are enjoying the ones that show are really enjoying it um, and having a good time with it and enjoying the different activities. Um, because we're both therapists, it's a lot easier for us to adapt the activities. So if they need to sit versus stand, um, but they're enjoying what we've been doing. So we're super excited for this. Fantastic. Now, what time of day do you have your groups? Um, we have it the first and third Monday of the month from 930 to 11. Okay. I, I'm just going to say for, for my group, that was something I didn't ask people, but I, I know for our group, we found like a one to three worked best. A lot of the people said that anything else that you want to want to tell us about the cafes? I'm not sure if Carrie said, but ours is free as well. Okay. 
Okay, wonderful. Harry, any, anything else that you wanted to add? No, I think that that's about it. Um, you know, I, I'm excited just as April said, um, to see where this goes and just to see the group grow. Um, we do ask that our caregivers stay with their um, loved ones. Um, the, where, where we're set up in the recreational center, there's kind of a side little um, room that the caregivers can go if they choose to. But so far we've found that the caregivers are getting just as much out of this as the individuals with dementia. So they're getting um, a lot of activities and seeing their loved ones be happy. And so they actually are wanting to stay with their loved ones. Now that might change as things move on, but for right now um, they're, they're really engaging um, with their loved ones and other caregivers at the same time. Yeah, well, and I find it's it's nice for them because they learn from each other in terms of, you know, if something kind of goes sideways, the group comes in and protects both of them and lifts them up because right. they, they understand and uh, they just, uh, they can be role models for one another, you know, all the time there. So thank you. Uh, we're just going to take a short break here and then we will be right back. So uh, like Carrie said, we do it twice a month. Um, it has fluctuated. We haven't been able to get a consistent uh, group of people, but we do understand with this diagnosis, that's kind of how it's going to be. Um, our, like, uh, we've only been doing this since March, so I'm still pretty new to it. So definitely learning from all you that have been doing this for quite a while and um, just trying to market as much as we can to get more consistent members. Um, they are enjoying the ones that show are really enjoying it um, and having a good time with it and enjoying the different activities. Um, because we're both therapists, it's a lot easier for us to adapt the activities. So if they need to sit versus stand, um, but they're enjoying what we've been doing. So we're super excited for this. Fantastic. Now, what time of day do you have your groups? Um, we have it the first and third Monday of the month from 930 to 11. Okay. Um, I, I'm just going to say for, for my group, and that was something I didn't ask people, but I, I know for our group, we found like a one to three worked best. A lot of the people said that um, it was too hard in the morning to know how their day was going to go. Mm. <laughs> but by afternoon, you know, no matter what was happening, they were able to participate um, in that. So just a thought. I, and again, I'm, I'm one that I always feel like you got to keep talking to your group because it changes too, in terms of who you're who you're serving and things. So um, definitely. And we, we've brought that up to them too. Like we're, you know, this is for them. It's not for us. We're doing, we're here to help it, but it's totally for them. So what works for them, you know, we'll adjust if we need to. Um, but we're still kind of new. So we'll keep it at this time and see how things go and then address it later and see if it does need to change. But we, we thought about that too. So it's kind of why we started at 930 to give them a little time in the mornings, but um, we know everything fluctuates with this population. So, yeah. And I do think, you know, from what I have heard from, you know, people all around the world, they really appreciate the memory cafe concept of it is about them and their voices are heard in terms of what are the needs, which isn't always the case you know, with, with services out there. And so um, I, I've just heard them give a lot of kudos out uh, to, to people and organizations for, uh, you know, asking the question in the first place and, and even letting them be part of, part of that. Um, anything else that you want to want to tell us about the cafes? I'm not sure if Carrie said, but ours is free as well. 
Okay. Okay. Wonderful. Harry, any, anything else that you wanted to add? No, I think that that's about it. Um, you know, I, I'm excited just as April said, um, to see where this goes and just to see the group grow. Um, we do ask that our caregivers stay with their um, loved ones. Um, the, where, where we're set up in the recreational center, there's kind of a side little um, room that the caregivers can go if they choose to. But so far we've found that the caregivers are getting just as much out of this as the individuals with dementia. So they're getting um, a lot of activities and seeing their loved ones be happy. And so they actually are wanting to stay with their loved ones. Now that might change as things move on, but for right now um, they're, they're really engaging um, with their loved ones and other caregivers at the same time. Yeah, well, and I find it's it's nice for them because they learn from each other in terms of, you know, if something kind of goes sideways, the group comes in and protects both of them and lifts them up because right. they, they understand and uh, they just, uh, they can be role models for one another, you know, all the time there. So thank you. We're on Facebook. It's Memory Lane Cafe SNV. And then my number is 702. 660-1140. And then Carrie is um, 702-670-1810. Okay, great. Thank you. Uh, we're just going to take a short break here and then we will be right back. I love the footbar walker and let me tell you why. It is the option for my toolbox that I've been waiting for. Let's be honest, there are some clients who, despite our best rehab efforts, just aren't able to return to performing a sit-to-stand transfer on their own. Now I can offer my caregivers an easier, safer option that doesn't involve hoisting their loved one up from a sitting position. I don't recommend this walker for all of my clients, but I do recommend this walker for those caregivers looking for an easier, safer option with transfers. I would also encourage other therapists to add this walker to their toolbox. It's kind of like having my own mobile parallel bars for the client to pull up on. Whether it's a family caregiver at home helping a loved one with Parkinson's or dementia, CNAs in a long-term care facility assisting their patients, or therapists adapting to client and caregiver-specific needs, we now have a very safe and effective option to offer in the Footbar Walker. Check this product out at thefootbarwalker.com. That's it for today from Adaptive Equipment and Caregiving Corner. Have a great day, and don't forget, if you can't do it, adapt it. Uh, let's go to Elise next. Hi. Um, I actually started, uh, I was part of Amy's place where a lot of people know the first freestanding memory cafe in, it's actually the United States. Um, but we were in Roswell, Georgia, and um, it was started by two sisters. And I just loved, I was the program director and then became the executive director. And one of the things that was so important was the socialization, especially when people get that diagnosis. They seem to then have to stay at home, can't go anywhere. And it was a real, it's a real big problem still. So unfortunately, due to COVID, we had to close and I was looking for another organization that I could bring these memory cafes out to. 
and that was the Dementia Spotlight Foundation. And one of the reasons I went with them is because they actually did a, got a grant from the state and about people with dementia and how they could have socialization. It was dementia-friendly grant. And one of the biggest things they found is that when families were at the, the senior centers, they got to a certain point where they could no longer go. And then there was no socialization anytime after that. So they found that we needed to do something with senior centers. And so that's where we started when I came on board. And the first senior center that we started working with is Senior Services of North Fulton. And we started with them in 2022. And it has been a wonderful experience. We meet Fridays from 1.30 to 3.30, and it's the first and third Friday of the month. We're a very, very small nonprofit, so we try our hardest to um, bring some fun activities and trying to keep the price down because we don't charge anything for, for them to attend. And the good news was a lot of people from Amy's Place followed me over, so we did have some people to start these these cafes. Um, I didn't like um, the name Memory Cafe, and that was just me personally. It's nothing against that name. So we changed it to Connection Cafe, and that is more because we wanted people to connect with one another. We wanted them to meet, um, meet new people and start getting together with them outside of these cafes to build a real community. And I think a lot of times that's what's missing out there is they don't have a sense of community. So people could build friendships. And that's why we I changed the name to Connection Cafe. Um, and we do have, I, we have somebody who's a clinical social worker that works with us and she has MCI herself. And so she works with me on these cafes. Um, we do all kinds of activities. I usually try to find a theme. So, you know, if you go on the yearly calendars you for the month, you can always find some sort of fun theme. And I think, Lori, you've got some of the videos that I've shared. Oh, come on. Ooh, no, that's all right. That's pretty good. Give her another shot. Yeah. Get close to it. <laughs> she got close. She got close. Okay. One in particular was St. Patrick's Day, and, you know, everybody likes to bowl, but I don't know if people realize that in, um, in Ireland, they bowl with potatoes. And so I actually had people bowling with potatoes and it was the funniest thing to see. Um, and they had so much fun because, you know, potatoes don't go straight. And um, it was just all in fun. And that's what we try to do is more to have fun and to laugh. And um, that's, that's our biggest um, claim to fame. And that's where they like to come back to. Whoa. Okay. All right, let's 
Let's give you another chance, both of you. Power behind it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I got it. I got to tone it down a little bit. Okay, Margaret. Nicely done. Nicely done, Margaret. All right, Angela, you're one more round. Right now, you're at the point. All right, let's see, let's wonderful now you had sent me a couple of pictures i can share too here Let's that see. was kind of like um olympics for us in fact i'm bringing that back for the summer next month and that is where I set up some cornhole-like, um, I did regular bowling, and people, uh, I, I would um, have sometimes the care partners against the people with dementia, or sometimes I'd have, you know, like husbands and wives, we had two couples that were husbands and wives, and it just so happened the husbands had dementia and the wives didn't, so we had the husbands against the wives. Um, bowling and it was a lot of fun to see them uh, actually the the men won so uh, it was a lot of fun and the two women coloring there were people they just did not want to join in on those activities so I didn't want them to feel like there was nothing for them so I had some coloring materials and they had a lot of fun in fact the person in the blue has gone back to her native language as Russian. And she was talking to the other woman in Russian. And the other woman did not mind. She was just laughing and going along with it. She had no clue what that person was talking about. But it was such a great thing to see because it didn't matter. They were communicating and that's all that mattered. Oh, for sure. That's, that's neat. Here's another one. This was St. Patrick's Day that we were actually rolling a leprechaun. And so I gave them leprechaun pieces and they had to roll the dice and each um, number represented a part of the leprechaun. And so that they were actually um, pasting the leprechaun together. And uh, I also did a word search for them as well. So they were all kind of gathering together to do that for uh, St. Patrick's Day. Okay, great. Um, anything else that you want to want to share regarding your cafes? I only like to have 10 people, that, 10 couples, I should say, there. Um, I feel that if it gets to be any more, sometimes it becomes too overwhelming and like to really try to get people to um, get to know each other. So, you know, my goal is always to see if they could meet with each other outside of the cafes. And um, what time of day do you meet? We meet the first and third Fridays from 1.30 to 3.30. And I will tell you, when you, Lori, when you were talking about the timing, um, we very rarely have somebody show up at 1.30. I usually, if I have some sort of entertainer come, I tell them 2 to 3.00 to give people some time to come in and this way people can get to know each other, sit at the tables that they want. And um, we're hoping to go to more places, but it's still such an unknown. People have no clue what a memory cafe is and they think that we treat them like children. So we have a lot of um, 
we have a lot of mountains to climb still. Yep. Do you want to give uh, contact information on how people can reach you? The Dementia Spotlight Foundation.org. And we're also on Facebook as Dementia Spotlight Foundation. And anybody can call me at 678-332-1711. Okay, great. And Emily, I'm going to pull you and Jamie in. I know Jamie's got to run here. Sure, great. Thanks. Um, so my name is Emily Kearns. As I said earlier, I coordinate Dementia Friendly Baltimore County. And I have to give a shout out to Beth and Dementia Friendly Massachusetts because Beth is the one that pulled me in and mentored me. And then when I moved to Baltimore, I brought my experience um, and commitment to memory cafes to Baltimore. Um, back in Massachusetts, I ran a cafe or held a space for a cafe. Um, at a restaurant. So we had evening dinners once a month. And initially, we did hire uh, pres uh, presenters. And you know, the community was so great. They said, you know, we don't want all the bells and whistles, we just want to eat together. And so ultimately, I bought a microphone, and we had open mic at the end of every meal. Um, but that was simple, less than $150. For about 15 to 20 people, we had a gourmet pizza buffet, self-serving in a room in a restaurant. And um, and folks, even after loved ones passed, they still wanted to come because they said this was their, their peeps, their community where people got it, in their words. Um, anyway, and so now um, as coordinator of Baltimore County, we have a, a mini grant program and we funded two cafes using ARPA money. So that's COVID money. I went to a conference and I asked people, what are they doing with their ARPA money? And um, our agency didn't know what to do with it. And I thought, ah, I have an idea. So anyway, so we're funding these two cafes and we're going to have a round two coming up. I'm so excited. Um, and I'll pass the torch now to Jamie, who's just been amazing um, at the helm for one of the most creative of the two, uh, more creative of the two cafes. Thank you, Emily. Um, so yes, I'm Jamie Sumagi. I, um, as I said earlier, I'm an occupational therapist and the program manager at Talmar Horticultural Center. Um, our farm um, is two acres and we are housed within um, Cromwell Valley State Park, which is just north of Baltimore City. Um, and yeah, we have this um, nature memory cafe that goes um, every third Friday of the month from 11, 12 p.m. Um, and it started off as a bird watching group um, back in 2021 before I joined uh, our the nonprofit organization that is Telmar. Um, and then since I took over, I've um, uh, moved it to more horticultural activities just to take advantage of what we grow on the farm. Um, and with the um, gracious funding of uh, Baltimore uh, County, um, we focus our efforts on um, developing our sensory garden, which is where um, our nature cafe takes place. Um, so like at the beginning, beginning of this year, our participants um, started the seeds um, for different perennial plants. Um, and then uh, as the in March and April, we um, started planting them in the garden. Um, and later on this year, the plan is to use those plants um, for like horticultural activities. Um, that way, participants are engaged uh, with the, the life of the plant um, and their perennials. So 
we can use them each year. <laughs> um, and yeah, um, Angela had mentioned earlier about um, sensory activities, and that's definitely the goal of um, our sensory garden is that uh, we're engaging at least one of the five senses through plants. Well, that's neat. I, you know, I just love um, the different ways everybody's approaching this. I, I think it's just a beautiful way to to pull a variety of people together and to sometimes teach new skills, sometimes to reactivate ones that might have been lost and things. So um, thank you for sharing that. Did you guys have any pictures that you wanted to share? Yes, this is a recent example. Um of last month's Memory Cafe um, with the grant funding from Dementia Friendly Baltimore, we were able to purchase some raised beds, um, which makes the garden a little more accessible to our participants. Um, here they were planting a plant called false indigo, uh, which when um, it first flowers and then as it um, keeps growing, um, they develop pods, which can be shaken and rattled for that like auditory um, sense. And then uh, we have a participant here. Um, she just planted some sage, which uh, can be used for cooking and has a nice scent to it. Um, and this gentleman here just planted some lavender, which is great for relaxation um, and crap for scent and other like crafting activities. Um, and uh, in these series of photos, we have the participants making um, like marigold lays because um, we had the farm had a lot of marigolds around. So um, just wanted to use them for this particular activity. Um, and There's more of that. And in this particular session, we just had, we also had them make floral arrangements as well um, with the flowers that we had at the farm. And then this is uh, our contact information down below here. Um, we are also on um, Instagram and uh, learning TikTok because our executive director was like, you, you should experience, uh, experiment more with TikTok. So it's been fun um, showing what we do at the farm through those mediums. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, Emily, anything else that you want to add? Uh, the only thing I would add is just invite the dementia-friendly movements to use memory cafes as a really important cornerstone. Um, and uh, as Beth had said, and others have said, they're not costly. Um, so our grants right now are small. We're hoping to, in the second round, make them larger. Um, on the radar, we have um, candidates, including a equestrian therapy place that's starting memory cafes, piloting them. So it's really exciting. And, uh, and thank you for doing this, Lori and, uh, and Beth for the percolator and all of you. Oh, thank you. Well, it is, I, I, like you said, I think with the dementia-friendly communities, it is just a perfect match. It, it's, it's absolutely um, 
offer so much to the community and changes the face of what is possible and builds those peer groups, which is critical. So thank you so much for, for sharing, Emily and Jamie. Appreciate it very much. Tammy, I'm going to go ahead and pull you in next here. Hi, thank you for letting me participate. So why don't you tell us a little bit about, about your memory cafe? If I remember correctly, you guys just started. We will be starting in September. Okay, starting in September. So, so we're just getting through the planning stages and starting our uh, pub publicity. So far, have you found this helpful? Extremely. The Percolator Network, uh, the uh, dementia-friendly groups, uh, we've found uh, the uh, Memory Cafe directory, so many people so willing to help and give us their suggestions and tell us what's worked and what hasn't. And that's been mostly what I've been doing is just learning from what other people have done. So yes, incredibly helpful. Wonderful. Now your group is going to be through a library as well. Is that correct? Yes. Through the Olathe Public Library in Olathe, Kansas. Okay. And well, Kansas, didn't they just do a dementia friendly airport and stuff down there too, if I'm not mistaken? Mm -hmm. Yes. So there's lots of fun things going on um, in terms of travel and things. So you said you're starting in September. Um, are you going to be meeting in the library itself then? Yes. Uh, we just built a new library. It has some beautiful new uh, big meeting rooms and meeting spaces that communities can use. So um, we feel like that's a really uh, good neutral location. The parking lot is situated right. I mean, as you walk in the door, right there is the main room we'll use. So uh, accessibility is really good. So Wonderful. we feel like it's a really good uh, centralized location within the city. So do you guys have like a, a library newsletter that goes out that you'll be promoting this in or? Uh, we'll be putting it in our library newsletter as well as on Facebook. And we also, uh, we do a, a program called Library to You where we deliver books to folks who can't get to the library. We visit uh, all of the memory care facilities and assisted living facilities in the city. And so we plan to use our connections there to uh, help promote it as well. Great. And we're also partnering, partnering with the Heartland America chapter of the Alzheimer's Association. And uh, they're going to be helping us. Uh, we're going to do a program in August, the month before we begin the, the actual cafes, uh, uh, just a basic dementia 101 program. And that's where uh, we'll kind of make an announcement about the cafe, but using that program to try and kind of get the people started thinking about it and uh, specifically inviting people that we think may be of interest or maybe helpful in helping us find those individuals. Okay. That seems to be our biggest hurdle is just finding folks that are in need of the service. Yeah, I guess I have found just coordinating with other support groups of all different types, dementia focused and letting them know. Again, when I first started, there was kind of a, no, we're not working with you. We're not selling anything. And, not, and then we started referring people to them and then they're like, oh, oh, this is okay, <laughs> you know, and, and all of a sudden there was this collaboration and it just, it felt safe. 
um, yeah. to do, but I think people know much more about memory cafes than they did, you know, gosh, 12 years ago, um, when, when some of us original ones first started off and things. And so that makes it, makes it much, much easier. And even if the um, support group leaders don't know, a lot of the individuals have heard about it because they're on Facebook and they're seeing kind of what's going on. Um, I wish still there a were... very new concept here. So we're doing a lot of education. Good. Good. Well, that's wonderful. Well, you'll have to keep us posted on, on how, how it goes. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited. I... I'm nervous, but I'm excited. <laughs> well, and that's all part of the process of, of starting yeah. something up. So thank you. I'm going to go ahead and pull uh, Maria in. And Maria, it doesn't actually have a memory cafe, but she is, uh, is a guest artist at a lot of them. So Maria, why don't we talk to you? And, and again, we've seen some examples of, of groups pulling in artists um, of a variety of types there. So if you want to tell yeah. us your experience with memory cafe. Well, just um, briefly what mine looks like as you saw a lot of those people sitting in chairs. So it happens in a chair. I have music and we basically play um, together, brain games and pretend. And it's almost like being in a playground together. I really love the whole idea of walking into a community. And then my job is to um, get them to play and celebrate. So that's been really um, great. I, I've had great experiences. I've been to cafes where like I'm the first person that they've ever had. Or um, for instance, Beth, I think I went to one of your first with Amy and then I came like two years later and then during the Zoom, you know, we did a Zoom one. And so um, what I really love is when I can come in and get to know people and they see them over and over again. So there's a few um, cafes that I go once a year or once every six months. And um that's been really great. I've been to all sizes of cafes. Um, I'm very curious to see what the community within the cafe, like you go into some where you can tell everybody knows each other and they're goading each other on. And there's others where I go in and people are very quiet. So then, you know, really I have a, it's, it's more my job to get them going and playing. And so um, I, 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 and I love the idea of being in a memory cafe, like the idea that a caretaker gets to come with their person. And um, yeah, I feel like if I could just go to memory cafes all the time, I would. Um, but unfortunately, a lot of them happen during my other classes, which, you know, some of you talked about timing. And um, yeah, I, I have another one coming up pretty soon. I've been to the Kahneman Library twice, and that is a beautiful community. The mixed races, I love the mixed race memory cafes. I do somewhere, I do part in Spanish, part in English. Wonderful. And what kind of feedback do you get from people? Do do they say anything to you? You know. Yeah, well, you know, it depends on the group. Sometimes they love it. Sometimes they, um, there's, as you know, there's in the, memory care world there's a lot of um like almost like nothing is happening and yet what i hear from the people later is they really loved it so sometimes i can't tell like when i'm done did they like it did they not um a lot of times i definitely can a lot of times they they don't want me to leave they want me to sit and have lunch with them so you asked you know usually i come in and i have experience that i come in they tell me to come in half an hour later and then my program is about an hour. And then I generally leave after that, um, unless they ask me to stay. 
And what I find is that sometimes when I stay, they don't do their own connecting as well. You know, then they're, they're kind of more focused on me being there. Um, so sometimes um, I find that when I leave, then they get back into their thing. Okay, wonderful. Um, now, are you on the percolator list then of artists? Yeah, I think I am. You know, I can double check with Beth, but I'm pretty sure that I am. Okay. And because um, I think a lot of times people don't know who to go to. and, and Right, right. Okay. That's how a lot of people find me. A lot of times I'll do free intros where I'll send, a, I'll send that to the percolator list and people can just come for a half hour of what is Ageless Grace to see whether they would want to have it as part of their program. Okay. And I would imagine you charge a fee. Is that a per person or per group? Or? Per group. Okay. And do you mind sharing that or lately? Well, it's been 150 per mm-hmm. memory cafe. And then if I have to travel in Massachusetts, I'll add a little bit more depending on how far I have to travel. Yep. Those gas costs are getting up there. That's for sure. All that stuff has yeah. changed. So, okay. And then um, to get to you, you want to give contact information out? Yeah, sure. People can reach me at mariaskinner.com or you can find out about Ageless Grace in your area and other trainers because obviously I'm, I'm probably not going to come to Kansas unless you have me on Zoom. Um, but um, agelessgrace.com for okay. other people. Wonderful. Well, before we wrap up, I want to just uh, kind of go around to everybody once again. I'm going to put you all on the spot, but ask you um, for one benefit of a memory cafe. And Emily, I'm going to go to you first, if you don't mind. Yeah, I when I speak about it, I call it restorative respite. And mm-hmm. what I mean by that is I've seen people actually cry with joy um, because their relationship has become so medicalized, so much about the disease that they can't be spouse, partner, adult child. Um, and at the Memory Cafe, it's the first time in a long time, they tell me, where they've been able to uh, have their original relationship restored, at least for the hour or two. So I've had uh, two partners dancing, waltzing, while their mother living with dementia was singing in her wheelchair. And all three were just were crying with joy because, you know, the two partners could be together with, you know, the older woman um, and the older woman was having fun. And, and I've seen that like another time, three generations, I've seen a granddaughter um, and her mother and her mother's father um, sharing like a genealogy project, sharing pictures. And the granddaughter started crying again for joy. She said, I haven't seen grandpa like this for a long, long time. So I'd say it's restorative. Wonderful. I, lo- I love that. Angela, how about you? I think personally, um, when I go to a memory cafe, um, and I'm like Maria, I like to go to as many as I can. Um, I go to fill my cup. So if I'm feeling down or if I need a little bit of extra emotional support myself, I go to a memory cafe to fill my cup. But in terms of um, what I see at memory cafes, I really see those connections. And like Emily said, just people um, enjoying that hour or two hours outside of the house, um, being themselves and being accepted for who they are. So I really appreciate seeing that at our cafes. Great. Um, Elise, how about you? Connections and friendship. Okay. And uh, Carrie? Uh, I would say uh, one of the biggest ones is energy. Um, We have been told on a couple of different occasions how energized um, the individual's loved one was after they left the group. Um, So just being around others um, and being able to communicate really gave them energy throughout the rest of their day. 
Right. Thank you. April, you want to add on to that? Um, I, I would love to. I think the social interaction, like they come in and they're shy and they're not really talkative and you know, the loved ones are saying they don't talk as much at home and then they come around other people and it just seeing them light up and start having conversations. And I, I can't remember who said it, but um, I think us learning to back off a little bit so that they can do it like just themselves, like they can create their own social interactions. Um, and it's just great to see how happy they are when they're all when the class is over. Great. Thank you, Jamie. How about you? They're very peaceful and serene for me. Like we get to be uh, in in the park, surrounded by birdsong and nature and the trees. So it's always very peaceful. Okay, Maria, I'm going to go back to you in terms of what you see in terms of benefits. Okay, um, what I see is levity and light brought to a usually heavy place. Okay, it really lightens up everything. Wonderful. And then Beth, how about you? I was going to mention too, if I may, one is that cafes do um, have offer an opportunity for those who choose to really step up and be as involved as they want to be, which is something that often people living with dementia don't get a chance to do anymore. So sometimes cafes will do volunteer activities as a group. And so it's wonderful for people to be in that role of the giver. And our collaboration with Dementia Action Alliance is really focusing on how to help cafes find many, many pathways to offer leadership opportunities to our participants living with dementia. So that's one. And the other I want to mention We've talked a lot about people meeting at the cafe and forming new friendships. Cafes are also a place that people can keep current friends connected. This is kind of one of my soapbox issues is, as we've talked about so often, friends drift away, you know, maybe relatives who aren't as close because they don't know how to stay connected. So going to a cafe together is a great way to stay connected because that way, the activity is facilitated. The um, care partner doesn't need to feel they have to be the source of it all. And they sort of learn communication techniques and things to do together by osmosis at the cafe. So that's another benefit is that it's an opportunity to keep that, that kind of outer ring of people connected. Wonderful. I know I, I found them just to be a soul filler. Um, for both the participants and the facilitators. It's such an honor to hear their stories and to see them come together and support one another. The other thing that I learned um, early on was I think we get so used to having everything set up and be ready. And it's more like, uh, anyways, for my cafe, we don't do any activities. We just talk. That's what they said they want to do. They just want to talk. And so we pass the wand and they have this conversation and, um, but what they, what they really wanted to do when they came, it's kind of like when you go over to someone's house, everyone ends up in the kitchen because they want to help set up. And they wanted to put the tables and the chairs in order and they wanted to get the name tags out and they wanted to help set up the food. So we stopped doing all of that stuff ahead of time because they got such great purpose out of that. And then putting everything back in order again, it was just kind of amazing um, how much that fed their soul and really made them feel like they were part of the group instead of the group was for them. 
um, it made it less kind of clinical in some ways. And so I thought that that was that was really interesting too. But I, you know, throughout all these conversations, it really is about building the smiles and filling the hearts and removing the isolation and getting people to feel not so alone. And I, I'm going to wrap up with one last story from from the group that I did. I had a because I, I think it's just so powerful because we've been talking about stigma and how to break all that. We had a, a daughter call me and said, you know, my, my mom really wants to come. My dad's got dementia. He's in total denial. He will not talk about it. We can't bring up the word dementia or Alzheimer's. It's just shut down. And she said, but I think they're going to come tomorrow. Um, my mom has kind of begged him saying she needs this connection. And he said he would do it for her. And she said, I have no idea what to ex what you should expect with my dad. He might just sit there with his arms crossed and be mad the whole time and drag her out as soon as it's over. And um, they came, they had a, they seemed to have a wonderful time. The daughter called me the next day in tears. And I'm probably going to get teary because this is how powerful these memory cafes are. And she said, Lori, she says, the memory cafes have changed our family's lives. She said, the next day, I went over to my mom and dad's to see how it went. And I was meeting a high school friend for lunch. And I asked my dad if he wanted to come out with us. And he said, yes. And she said, we sat down at the table and all he could talk about was the memory cafes. It, it busted the stigma. It made him feel whole. He wasn't ashamed. He wasn't embarrassed. It just changed everything. And now as a family, we can move forward and support him. And he, he's not carrying this, this shame of, of the title of having dementia, Alzheimer's or whatever form it was. And I just think that in itself is so, so powerful. So for those of you that are, are listening and watching, please like, click, and share. That's not for Alzheimer's Speaks. That is for everybody you know, because none of us never know when Alzheimer's is going to knock on our door. And people need to be able to access this information. And the best way to do that is to get a resource from a friend or a colleague or someone you're, you follow that you trust. So be a giver of hope. Take a couple of seconds. It's not going to cost you any money. Just like, click, and share and spread this word so that when somebody really is ready to reach out and grab the resource, it's there for them. Um, you can see from what everyone has shared with us today, um, th the love and the gratitude and, and the connections that are made. You know, people feel like they have a family within these groups. And I think we've all heard people say that these are more than friends. You know, they're not talking about the weather. They're not talking about the ball games and, and just miscellaneous stuff. They're talking about all of life and they're creating wonderful, wonderful memories as they're doing that. So I just can't thank each of you enough in terms of, of sharing that with us. Uh, we will have all kinds of resources listed. We'll have contact information that you will be able to get off the blog and the radio page and, and so forth, where you can reach out to any of any of these providers for resources. And 
you know, if you want to partake in my virtual one, you're more than welcome as well. Uh, you can just reach out to me at Lori at Alzheimer's Speaks, and I'll give you the link for that. We meet twice a month uh, from typically 1 to 2.30, 1 to 3, depending on how big the group is. And anybody in the world is, is welcome to join us. So again, thank you all so much. I, it's just so fun to see these grow. Um, and I, I really appreciate the time that you've taken uh, out of your day uh, to share this information. I think it'll be very powerful for so many people and change so many lives. And also ways individuals with dementia can participate, like in our dementia chat discussions or our dementia in the arts or being a guest on a radio show. Um, there are tools and you might also want to check out our book tab, Betty the Bald Chicken, Lessons in How to Care. It is a great children's book where the kids teach the parents and the grandparents a lot of lessons. It's all about how we care and how we feel when we don't fit in or when someone we love is struggling fitting in, which is perfect for dementia. And I, I know that story well. Um, my mom lived with dementia for 30 years and I wish this book would have been available. It can be used in groups and on one-on-ones. So again, have a blessed week, everyone. Thanks for your support. Um, and um, I hope you'll follow us. Bye-bye. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you, Lori. Hey everybody, Jared Sebesti, your host of Retire Repurposed. This podcast is dedicated to help people transition into fulfilling and purposeful retirements. Retirement is a big life change. In fact, the two most dangerous years of a person's life are the year they were born and the year they retire. Few people could just flip the switch from working a career 30 or 40 plus years retiring on Friday without methodical steps to living what we call a repurposed retirement. To listen now, search Retire Repurposed on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.